Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton, and I am so excited that you are here. Today, my very special guests are Bill and Christy Galtier. They are friends of mine. They are doctors of psychology, spiritual directors, and the founders of Soul Shepherding, which provides care, training, and resources to pastors and leaders and missionaries all over the world so that they can minister out of the overflow and have a healthy vibrant, thriving relationship with Jesus in their life, work, and ministry. They have a new book coming out, Journey of the Soul, a practical guide to emotional and spiritual health. And I'm so honored that they would take the time to come and have a conversation and talk about not only their journey and what brought them to writing this book, but really explaining Uh, the tool that it is and the help that it can bring to those of us in our different stages of our spiritual growth and the roadblocks we can run into and the frustrations we can face and um, the reality that we're not alone and Jesus is so present wherever you are, however close, near or far you feel from him. He's with you above, below and front, behind and on either side. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Bill and Christy, welcome. Thank you for being here. It's great to be with you on your podcast. Thanks, Gina. There's a lot going on. You have a book coming out in just a few weeks, which is all kinds of crazy. It's, uh, It's crazy and it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So Journey of the Soul, A Practical Guide to Emotional and Spiritual Health, that's coming out. We'll talk about that shortly. I want to talk a little bit about when I first, I guess, actually heard about you, because I didn't meet you for a long time, but knew of you. I was on staff at a church, a local church, where uh, our pastor, who I got to work with pretty closely, just hit a wall, was burnt out, and it's a tragic you know, repeated tale, I think, in the church world that he hit that wall, was in that place of vulnerability and pain. And this isn't to cast blame at all. The elders didn't know how to respond to that. And typical church situation, there were a lot of things that people were dissatisfied with the church. It was easy to place blame on his failures and faults rather than leaving the 99 to care for the one, there's that fear and that, oh, we got to protect what's over here. So there's just a lot of collateral damage in that. And you two came into that situation. He was referred to you, he and his wife, and you were with him, Bill, through some of those meetings, some of those hard conversations with elders, but you also were a critical part of facilitating reconciliation with those very same elders a couple of years later. So Before I knew you and met you, I had incredible respect for Mm -hmm. you and was grateful for you because Mm -hmm. not just from that time on staff at that church, but I've been in ministry for a lot of years. I've been a volunteer. I've been in leadership. I've been in a lot of different places. I have a lot of friends and connections, and I've seen so much of that unhealth and unawareness and people's presumptions and miscommunications and judgments collide and create so much hurt and trauma and pain, not only for leaders, but for others. And so to see you guys come in and have that voice, have that care and compassion and empathy, and really be the first people that I had seen in the church world 
that were advocating for uh, relational health and spirit, not just spiritual health, well, spiritual health too, but how interconnected they are in the church. And then a few years later, I resigned from my position at the church. The Lord led me out, had no idea what I was going to do next. And then someone brought us together because you were at a place in your ministry. It had grown exponentially far beyond what you expected or what you could handle. And so I actually have the privilege and honor to work with you and help with your ministry and your organization, which now Soul Shepherding ministers to pastors, leaders, minister, missionaries, excuse me, all over the world. You support and care for and train and provide resources for them. So it's awesome to be a part of that. But yeah, share your story a little bit. How did you get here? How did you come to carry this passion, this burden for leaders? And um, yeah. Through our experience in the church world of things like that you're describing, and uh, as therapists who were uh, serving in the church, uh, and then as a pastor on staff at church, uh, experiencing problems with conflict and a lack of emotional relational health, and and then through just our own our own story of learning and growth and working through issues in our life and hitting walls, and then the other piece was being ministered to by Ray and Ann Orland, who had a ministry to pastors and pastor couples and seeing uh, this couple give their lives to uh, listening to and praying for and encouraging and serving and teaching pastors. And I uh, just, the Lord just put it on my heart that what a great life that would be to work with the leaders, the people who are on mission for Jesus, but not taking care of their own soul. And so yeah. that's, that was the, in a nutshell, that's what led us here. Well, and I think also, Bill, you know, you're a pretty driven type A leader. No, me? (laughs) (laughs) You've got a lot of great ideas and opportunities and gifts and and a lot of zeal that you want to put them to work for God and His kingdom. And yet the Lord had to really kind of take you out and teach you to sit at His feet and to be still Mm, and to learn to be in His presence and to make sure that your love for Him was first. Mm-hmm. and to die to selfish ambition and to yield all your ideas and your gifts to him and really experience your own journey of humility, being humbled, yielded, waiting on God and growing your roots really deep in the soil of God's love so that you were really healthy. And that was part of the work that God did too in order to prepare you for this and that that cost you a lot and mm. and there was a lot of tension between us in the midst yeah. of ministry and both of our different ideas about that and experiences with that and opportunities and learning to navigate that and family and and all in our relationship and then even before that in college we were both called to study psychology in order to understand the soul yeah and to understand what it's like to have a health in our relationship with God and yeah. others and ourselves. Yeah, so. which is so critical because I think, you know, I grew up in a denomination that was very, you know, this was back in the 80s and the 90s, so anything psychology was considered really horrible, evil, bad, you know, and there was spiritual health was reduced to you're saved, are you in the Word, are you praying, get over yourself, you know, so that alone caused a lot of damage and a lot of hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Chrissy, you just said a mouthful right there. I mean, just that journey of you guys 
and you, Bill, having to learn how to surrender all that stuff and really sit at the feet of Jesus and your identity and your worth and your value being placed solely mm. and completely in his love for you, in who you are as his boy, who you are as his girl, because you can't, you can't minister to leaders and pastors or anybody and lead them to that place if you can't get to that place first yourself, right, obviously. So, yeah, how was that? How was that for you? <laughs> uh, there's two sides of the story. One side is it was really depressing yeah. because I, I lost my, my outward identity. Hmm. You know, I had written three books before I was 30 and was speaking places and in the media and I was on the path to be reach my dream and be a best-selling Christian author and speaker and Christian psychologist guru and uh, at least that's what I wanted hmm. and that as Christy said that was causing a lot of uh, friction between us because I had a full-time practice as a therapist and a co-director of a day hospital clinic and uh, had my hands full with that as a young psychologist and then I'm writing books on the side and then we have two little kids and uh, so there was there was a lot there was a lot on me uh, but when the Lord led me to lay that down and I knew I knew it was a good thing I knew it was the Lord and I knew that for sure my marriage and family was way more important to me but even knowing the, the rightness of it and, and having a strong sense that this was what God wanted and God was pleased with my obedience in this. I lost that that outward identity and sense of significance because, I mean, since I was a teenager, the thing I wanted most to do with my life was to write. Hmm. And, and I wanted to write for Jesus. And yeah. I wanted to help people. I wanted to use words to help people experience God's presence and, and to grow uh, as Christians, spiritually and emotionally. And so when the Lord spoke to my heart in a very deep and personal way and effectively said, I don't want that. I want you. I want your heart. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I just said, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll, I won't write or speak again unless you tell me to. And because uh, he said, will you do this out of love for me and for, and for Christy? And mm -hmm. I knew it was the Lord. So I knew it was good and I had peace about it. But when I walked out that path, days, weeks, months, years, yeah. 14 years. In the early years, that part of my life was very depressed and it was yeah. confusing. It was like, well, God, why don't... I mean, part of me understood. I knew I was too ambitious. I, I knew there was probably some ego in here. But mostly I felt like, I want to do this for God. Why can't I do this and be a good husband <laughs> and father? I thought I was a pretty good husband and father while I was writing, you know, but I mean, I knew there was friction with Christy and and so it, it was it was confusing to me. I didn't have the language that we give in Journey of the Soul. Yeah. I didn't have the understanding of the stages of faith and emotional and spiritual growth, which we call the Christ stages. I was learning some things from a lot of stuff, from psychology and, and development and stages. And I was learning models of stages of faith, but it was all new. And I was trying to put it all together and integrate it. And, and I, I hadn't identified it for me. So I just... Spiritually, I felt pretty lost and dry and like God was far. And I struggled with jealousy when colleagues of mine were writing books and speaking and God was using them. And, you know, I was a lot of spiritual warfare. Satan would harass me and attack me. You know, well, you know, why didn't you write that book? Mm, well, God yeah. doesn't trust you. Yeah. Like, you're, you're no good. You don't have anything to say. And, you know, you're on the shelf. And, and uh, so I was just battling a lot of demons there for some years. Yeah. 
Yeah, what was going on with you, Christy, during this time? Yeah, well, I was feeling guilty. (laughs) Because because I had actually asked him to lay down his writing of books to help, to be more present with me and the kids. And so I saw the sacrifice that it was. I saw the Mm -hmm. death of self that it was. And I I felt guilt and shame over that. Like I, you know, destroyed his dream and his career. And I was in the way of that. And we wanted different things. And so I felt very guilty. And then I I remember it wasn't long after seeing him, you know, suffering so much that I was like, okay, Lord, you can have him back. (laughs) Bless him. Give him his books. Give him, you know. And then I got impatient with God. I was kind of like, Lord, why? Why aren't you blessing him? Like, he put his dream on the altar. You're supposed to resurrect it. Like, I was... So then I went into kind of my own wrestling with God over that and yeah. my own crisis, kind of like, well, don't you love Bill? Well, if you love Bill, wouldn't you bless him in this way? And why, you know, why are you... It, it, this kind of seems like a waste now. Like, I know the value that's in him. I know what he... I know what he knows. I know the gifts you've given him, and I want others to benefit. And I'm feeling kind of selfish because other people aren't getting to benefit. And so I had kind of my own wrestling there as well. And yeah. um, that was a part of my my journey, my story. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting and I think important to note, too, that there's also there's a partnership in marriage and in calling as well. Mm-hmm. And I think before that 14 years, it was Bill's ambition, Bill's call, mm-hmm. which was separate mm-hmm. from Christie's yep. call. Yep. And they weren't integrated. No. And one thing that's so significant and I think really causes a lot of uh, damage in marriages is that lack of understanding or that presumption of the man is called to something, the wife is just kind of dragged behind, mm-hmm. and this lack of understanding of partnership. Yeah. That Bill cannot... If Bill is called then you're both called to something. If Christy is called, you're both called. And there's that unification and you're something together that you aren't apart. Mm-hmm. And even the journey I've been with you, it's been so beautiful to see see the impact of who you are together. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a depth and a, a completeness in how you minister side by side. And the book is a part of that. It's not just a Bill Galtier book. It's a Bill and Christy Galtier book. And so that whole 14 years was a part of the Lord kind of bringing you guys back together side by side and linked and kind of stepping forward in a really powerful way. So, so yeah, let's talk about Journey of the Soul. I think that, you know, we're in a crazy time in our world. There's a lot of disruption and disorientation, you know, if you go back to the Psalms and the theologian who separated them out between orientation, disorientation, reorientation, we are in disorientation yes. in the world, but also yes. in the church. A lot of things that we've constructed have, are being deconstructed mm-hmm. and reoriented. And I think that journey of the soul is so critical for such a time as this. And you guys identify stages of spiritual growth that you're calling Christ stages, where you recognize and articulate these different places in our spiritual journey that I think nobody has really put language to, to this point. And I think lack of recognizing those stages really leads to a lot of uh, shame Mm -hmm. for myself if mm-hmm. I am not in the stage that I think everybody else is in and right. I feel like what's wrong with me yes. or judgment mm-hmm. what's wrong with you you yes. should be here and you're clearly not so you need to read your bible more or do mm-hmm. you know what I mean that kind of thing 
So yeah, can you unpack Journey of the Soul, unpack the journey that brought you to writing it? Yeah, well, it is, it, you're right, it is finding the language, and it, it came out of our experience, including these, these years uh, where I was wrestling through depression and in a long wall and feeling far from God because he didn't want my gift. But little by little over those years, a new sweetness developed in my intimacy with Jesus and also with Christy and with my friends. And I, I learned a deeper way of being emotionally present uh, in the moment, uh, moments of life to God and to people. And what we came to call the inner journey, the I stage in the Christ stages. And my time at the wall and that death to self and all that discombobulation and turbulence, which yeah, our whole world, uh, certainly here in America, we seem to be at a collective wall. And yeah. our, our Christians and our churches, you know, not, the, the pandemic, the effects of this, the social unrest, there's just, there's a lot of questions and a lot of stress and pain and uh, it's affecting us in our, in our relationships with each other and with the Lord. And, and so the wall, when, when you go through these trials, and we all have them, not every trial is a wall, but when you, when you really find yourself stuck and God seems to be far or not blessing you, that's a really hard time. And what tends to happen is when we hit that wall, we want to go back to the way things used to be. Yeah. And like you were saying, you know, well, if I just read my Bible more, or if I used to be when I listened to this song, or I, I read this book, and we try to go back to things that brought us consolation, and not realizing that, you know, I'm in a different season now, I'm in a different stage, yeah. and the Holy Spirit's doing a different kind of work in me. And so... We need to understand those different stages and the different movements of grace in our life. And so I didn't uh, have the language as clear then as I do now, but the Lord was inviting me deeper into an in, a new intimacy with him that wasn't based on my performance or my image or my accomplishments. And, you know, I had the theology of that yeah. long before this, <laughs> right. but the, the experience of it, it took those years of relative quiet, of not being so productive and so active, especially in a, in a public way in my ministry, to cultivate that inner life. And I really can't emphasize enough, and we do this in Journey of the Soul, but the connection between our relationship with God and one another. Yeah. We, we just can't separate those. You know. And so even as I'm Talking about intimacy with God, intertwined in that is my relationship with Christy and the the conflicts and stresses that we needed to work through and learning how to be vulnerable with, with my friends where I'm, instead of the way I was raised and the way my personality was programmed, to just always put my best foot forward and make an impression, yeah. to bring my real self and uh, to be like that little kid going over to the, my neighbor's house and ringing the doorbell, you know, will you... Play with me. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's vulnerable to it's say. It's vulnerable, yeah. Will you listen to me? You know, yeah. can we hang out? Uh, can yeah. we take a walk? You know, I need some prayer, and to uh, be vulnerable in that way. So learning to live that out was in my human relationships was super important for me in actually doing it with God. So it's not just in my head. Yeah, yeah, and it's risky too, right? You know, that vulnerability is is risky, and depending on our history. We have to work through whether we see God as a safe place to be that vulnerable and be that intimate with him, to see other people as a safe, to see church as a safe place. I mean, we're in an epidemic right now, in my opinion, with people 
feeling like church isn't a safe place. And that narrative is being propagated even more in the world right now because of just events and everything like that. So everybody, you need to get this book if you're a believer, if you are a leader, you you really do. And I'm not saying that like, please hear me, this isn't turning into this marketing, hey, let's pitch this because Bill and Chrissy are my podcast. No, I'm, I'm telling you this is critical and I'm going to get emotional. This is vital for the church because I see so many people that are just getting swept away by the rip current. And one of the key tactics in that place that you're talking about of if I'm, if I'm not willing to be vulnerable or I'm scared of that vulnerability, that the, the key thing that the enemy does is isolate us. Yes. And that isolation just takes us down such a scary spiral. And that's, it's in that isolation that the enemy says, did God really say that? Mm-hmm. He doesn't really care about you, you know? And that isolation brings us to that most heartbreaking verse in the Bible, in my opinion, is God in Genesis saying, where are you? Mm-hmm. You know, where are you? I don't think it was a scolding. Where are you? I think it was like, where yeah. are you? Yes. No, come back, yes. you know? Yes. And and I think that we're in a in a time in history that the enemy is just... He wants to take out as many as he possibly can. And that place of isolation and discouragement and disillusionment is, is just prime territory for that to take place. And what I love as well is you identify the different stages, but then you also identify roadblocks at each stage. Um, with each of these Christ stages, there's, there's the grace, there's the gift mm-hmm. that we have the opportunity to receive. But then there's that roadblock and that temptation to have it be stolen, mm-hmm. right? So, Christy, do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, well, you were talking about the journey in the Psalms from the orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And at some level, we have that at every stage of yeah. our emotional and spiritual growth. Yes. And our stages, you know, we're, we're not brilliant. We didn't create these stages. Yeah. These are well-researched. You can look at several, and we did several psychological theories, even cognitive develop, development on any human level of development, and then spiritual development, and they all fit. Each, yeah. each of these models are validated. Yeah. And all we did is combine them all into one that really integrates the, the psychological, emotional truth with the spiritual truth, because God created both. That's why they're, yeah. they're true. And put them in a model that really helps people understand them. Yeah. And it really helps because it gives you a map for your journey where you are. It helps you see where God is working in your story and in His story. That yeah. your story is part of His larger story. Yeah, that's good. So it helps you find yourself in His story. And it helps you to understand others and where they are in His story instead yeah. of judge them because yeah, they're not where so you are. So big, so big. But one of the things I want to say is that in each of these stages, we're going to experience times of desolation, times of, of grief, times of questioning, of doubt, times of temptation. There's yeah. temptation in each stage. Yeah. Times of, of feeling um, judged and misunderstood by others. Times of feeling shame and lost to God. And what, God, where are you? In every stage, there's some, some desolation we're going to experience. And in every stage, there's a consolation. There's that grace. There's that gift. Yeah. And so it's important to understand that there is this movement, and we talk about this in the book, this movement, kind of our highs and our lows. Yeah. But some stages have higher highs and lower lows. Yeah. And I think what's of utmost importance is, you know, you kind of alluded to it earlier when you were talking about 
there's that temptation to to put out that I'm okay, that I'm good. And I think that that's a, just such a huge trap in the church in general. We haven't given ourselves or each other permission. We haven't given our congregations permission to be in those different stages that forces everyone to just kind of try to be what they think they should be. And the, the collateral damage of that and the pain and the trauma that that creates is devastating in the church. And we have an opportunity for reorientation to reestablish those things. And, you know, we did a, a couple of small group trials before the launch just to kind of get a field. We'd let some pastors lead people through it. And uh, I spoke to one pastor who was just saying, you know, his group's been together 15, 20 years. They have deep relationship. And he said they hadn't had conversation this deep and this vulnerable ever these questions and being able to identify oh my gosh that's me that's a thing (laughs) i can actually say that i feel isolated or i feel shamed or i i'm dealing with these things and to be able to give space to allow people to acknowledge that to themselves, to the Lord, to one another, to receive empathy, to receive God's presence in that place, that it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we, we're desperate for it. Gee, yeah. That's one of the reasons why we wrote this book. Because there were a lot of books we could have written. You know, we were like, should we write a book on empathy? You know, that's so powerful yeah. and important and needed. And we were talking about it. And we wrote this book because, you know, I said to Bill, I said, this is the book I need to be able to hand people that I meet with that come to me for therapy and for spiritual direction. They come to me and they're feeling so ashamed. They're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I'm backsliding, but church just isn't working for me anymore. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm leaving church and I'm not wanting to go back. Or I'm, you know, struggling with this. Or just reading the Bible is not working for me anymore. I'm not getting anything out of it. It's dry. Yeah. And they're in shame about it. And they don't have anybody to tell. Because they tell anybody at their church, they're going to get, they're they're gonna get yeah. judged. Or they're going to get told a bunch of shoulds that they feel like they can't do. They're yeah. like a heavy yoke. And it's that very thing because they're not understanding. They need a safe place to to have somebody who understands their experience in their walk with God, in their relationship with God. Somebody who can hold that grace and that faith for them to say that even in your desolation right now, you're not lost to God. Yeah. This all fits and he's doing a deep work and there's opportunity when you hit the wall. Yeah, so good. In these first three stages, we call it the first half of our journey you know, we we have kind of a lot of black and white thinking. There's a lot of shoulds. There is a lot of earning mentality and, and kind of we still don't get God's love as unconditional fully. Yeah. We're still kind of thinking we have to we have to earn it. It's conditional. We have to do the right thing. We have to be good. And we're trying so hard. We're striving and we're we're striving to serve God well. And sometimes we have to hit that wall and come to the end of our false self before we'll really have the opportunity for God to kind of uncover yeah. and meet us in some deeper areas that we, we're we hiding from Him or we're hiding from ourselves and we're hiding from others. Yeah, you hit on something when you were talking about that shame and that, you know, it's okay. I was just reading, you know, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called mm-hmm. by my name will mm-hmm. humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their sin, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. But... For some reason, I was struck that if my people who are called by my name, that even when we're far away, we're still called mm-hmm. by his name. Yes. That never changes. 
And I think that shame tells us, you are no longer called by my name. I don't want to have anything to do with you. It's that presumption mm-hmm. that I have failed, therefore I'm done, you know? Yeah, and so they, it, it, people feel like, I can't tell anybody that at church. Yeah. I have to just pretend. I have to pretend I'm close yeah. to God. I have to pretend yeah. I don't feel this. Yeah. And they don't understand what's going on in the invitation that God has for them. That yeah. this is an important part of their journey with Him. Yeah. So we're normalizing that. All those desolations that it could be at any of the stages, mm-hmm. but then especially the, the the big desolation of the wall. We're we're giving words for that, and and feeling words for that, and faith words for that, and, and struggling words for that to yeah. give people that hopefully uh, shame-free uh, grace that. Let's them be where they are and see that God is at work in that, because each each stage is good. Each Christ stage, confidence in Christ is the C stage. Help and discipleship is the H stage. Then responsibilities and ministry is the R stage. Then the wall in the middle, commonly, but could be anywhere. And then inner journey, spirit-led ministry, and transforming union. So these are six six stages and each one has its own sort of uh, flavor and almost like a different personality or different culture that we're in and is understanding that and understanding where where my sister or my brother is and being able to uh, uh, have empathy for each other and respect for each other and then to begin to realize that okay there is a different way that god works with us in each of these stages with the biggest difference being as christy was mentioning between that first half of the journey in the second half, before the, the big wall and then after the big wall, there's big, big differences there. And so a lot of the conflicts that happen in, in churches and in families and between friends are because people are on opposite sides of that wall. And they don't they don't understand each other. They don't know yeah. how to talk to each other. They don't have, so they don't have language for it. Yeah. And yeah. that's really one of the things that I'm most excited about with this book is that the Lord was, as I was reading through Ephesians and some Paul's, you know, epistles, I just over and over seeing God's heart for unity for his church. Yeah. And I felt like the Lord was saying, I can use Journey of the Soul to help bring unity among my bride. Because oh, that's they, good. they come to understand these stages and where we're in different stages, but I'm at work in all of them. Yeah. It, it will bring a unity and an increased empathy and understanding with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So good. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Just it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. You know, every stage is an invitation. And. Um, what would you say to, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to read this book, but still feel like they don't have a safe place. They don't have a place to go. What would you say to them? Yeah, that's a really good question. One of the things I would say is, you know, really pray and ask the Lord to guide you to, yeah. to somebody that you can maybe invite to go through the book and the leader's guide together or do to a group with to get this understanding and this language and this articulation and maybe you will find that becomes a safe place yeah. and some safe relationships and other people will open up like we've seen happen with groups. Another thing would be reach out for a spiritual director or a counselor who can be a safe place for you, who can be an ambassador of the Lord to you and can help you have a safe place to be gut level honest yeah. with the Lord and another person and can can pray for you and can minister God's presence to you. Yeah. Sometimes people will say to me, you know, I don't have a friend like that, or I don't have a, a spouse like you have, Bill, and I, I don't know, where, where do I find that, that emotionally vulnerable, safe friend? And what we can miss if we're feeling isolated in that way, feeling uh, stuck, 
a huge part of the solution is to to be that kind of a friend. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah. Become that kind of a friend. And right. So to do that, we need to pray, like Christy said, and we we need to we need a context. Friendship happens in a context, mm-hmm. and so that's where reading a book it can be a great context. There might be a friendship, a soul friendship that could develop there, yeah. and then by being uh, an empathetic listening ear and heart for that person, you can see what you've got and how far that can go. Yeah, it's good. God doesn't want us to journey alone. We, yeah. we need guides. We need trail angels. We, we share in the book a story of being on a hike ourselves and just being so discouraged. Like, we, we thought we should have been there by now. You know, yeah. we're lost. We're tired. How much more? It's getting dark. We don't have enough food. And somebody who knows the trail, who's been ahead of us, is there to answer questions, to provide what we need, the resources we need. And that's that's what we want this book to be. That's what our ministry, Soul Shepherd, is. That's what your ministry is. So to accept that God doesn't want us to be alone on this journey. He's meant for us to journey together. And that we need somebody who's ahead of the journey, who can give us a vision for what's ahead and encouragement in that. And somebody who's been where we are and can help us understand the good that God's doing in that part that we can't yet see what's going to come from what we're experiencing now and even to your listeners i would say share this podcast with a friend and say hey could, would you listen to this and can we talk about it yeah, because good. maybe somebody else has that same longing to just have yeah. somebody to talk to about it but they don't know that you right. don't know until you kind of build that community together yeah it's good it's good so the book beyond articulating the stages you have very practical ways people can not just recognize the stage that they're in and the challenges, the roadblocks and the grace, but you have given some tools. And I think, again, we're in a season right now where this is really important. Everything that we've presumed to place our spiritual health and everything has been broken down. I go to church on Sunday, maybe every other week. I got my little Bible study I go to with my friends all of that's been disrupted. And so suddenly you're, we're kind of being faced with, okay, where am I at with Jesus? What do I do when I can't gather? And how do I grow? So why don't you share some of those things that we can do just in our relationship with Jesus, how to cultivate that, how to invest in that relationship. Proximity doesn't equal presence, right? So why don't you share some of the ways you guys have articulated some of those things in the book? Yeah, we call them soul care practices, and so there are different ways of meditating on scripture, praying, or interacting not only with the Lord, but with another person, perhaps. And so the disciplines that facilitate the inner journey are different than the ones that help us uh, when we are becoming a Christian in the C stage, or we're, we're first beginning to learn to read the Bible in the H stage, or we've discovered our gifts and, and we're, we're learning to serve and help others in the R stage. The inner journey is a lot more about learning to be quiet. Mm-hmm. and feeling that restlessness yeah. or the anxious emotion that comes up or I feel like I'm not being productive or a bad memory or a conflict I've been in comes up. And instead of just getting busy and making that go away or going up into my head or helping somebody, I feel that emotion in God's presence. And maybe I read a psalm that mm-hmm. helps me to find words for what I'm feeling and pray about that. Or, or maybe I journal or maybe I, I call up that friend and say, you know, can, can you listen to me? And the, these are spiritual disciplines in the same way that sitting down and uh, reading uh, First Peter 
is a discipline. But sometimes we get stuck in that mode. Well, I need to, you know, be at my desk and have my quiet time and, you know, go through my prayer list. And, and those are, the, are things that we tend to do, especially like in the H stage and, and other earlier stages. But in the inner journey, it's a lot more about reflection and cultivating uh, that intimacy with God and others and self. Yeah, well, that's, that's because our soul is kind of like a garden. And in the inner journey, the Lord is digging deep down mm, into the soil good. of our soul and uprooting some weeds that are mm. deeply rooted there and pulling out some rocks to make room for something, some seed that he wants to plant deeper in him and a new work he wants to do. And so it, it can feel like desolation to kind of uncover and it can feel sometimes in people judge people in the interview and say, well, they're just navel gazing or they're just, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're paying, you know, why is it important to look at your emotions? And well, it's because you're bringing up this honesty of your soul. You're opening your soul. And in doing yeah. this, you're inviting God's touch and his love to go deeper. You're giving him deeper access into you. Yeah, so good. And so there's, you know, soul training practices in the book that help you with this at each stage. There's assessments in the books that help you. Just, they're just questions, nothing intimidating. Just questions that help you identify what stage you're in now. What's your home stage? We, we all have one stage we're in right now, and then we, we still are touching into the other stages. But what's your main stage right now? And it also can help you kind of understand people that you're in relationship with. Well, what stage are they in? Yeah. We have call-out tools like the roadblocks, the temptations, and these kind of things because it, it can help us even as if you're somebody in ministry. We want this to be a book that you pick up and you kind of think, wonder what stage this person in what's the roadblock at uh, on my daughter's stage yeah what temptation is my daughter undergoing right now at, because she's in this stage and i've been in that stage but it's been a while i don't remember we can quickly reference it and refresh it, and that will that will inform my prayers then for her yeah so it, it can be a tool in that way as well so good i love this book i'm excited i'm excited about what it means for the church and this isn't about becoming a best-selling book or author. It's not about being the latest and greatest, coolest Christian thing. It's really about giving people language and tools to identify, to bring unity in the church, to bring spiritual and emotional wholeness to believers, individuals, and leaders, because it's time. Mm -hmm. It's time for such a time as this. We're in a critical time in history where it's time for the church to be the church. It's time for us to take off the armor that doesn't fit and lay down the weapons (laughs) that we've picked up and start to look at him and surrender and trust that he's here and he's with us, that his love is relentlessly pursuing me, you, Mm -hmm. the person that annoys me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the people I don't agree with. His pursuit is, is unhindered. So thank you for your ministry. Thank you for... Uh, your obedience to Jesus. It has been a hard journey and you've had to surrender things. And, you know, there's such a theme of how to have great hope and great expectation, but surrender the what that looks like, surrender the plan, surrender the outcome. And you guys have done that. And the fruit of that is here. And so we get to watch God now do his thing. So. Well, we love journeying with you. We're so honored that you've journeyed with us. We love your ministry, your Sacred Space podcast, and thanks for honoring us by letting us be with you and your friends. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on Sacred Space. And all of you listening, it's great to connect with you. Before we go, I want to take a moment and just pray for you. 
wherever you may find yourself, maybe you can relate to feeling distant or stuck. Maybe you've hit a wall in your walk with the Lord and your relationship with Jesus and you're not sure how to get around it. Maybe you've just been confused and felt like you're looking around and everyone else is able to have this abundant life or all of this joy and you just can't seem to be in that same place. Or maybe you're not in that place of desolation. Maybe you're in a place of joy and you get really impatient and frustrated with your friends or people around you or people that you serve with at church that they're not where you think they should be. So Father, in Jesus' name, wherever we may find ourselves, right now, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, come to your sons, to your daughters. Would your tangible presence, your kindness and your grace surround each one of us right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those who feel far away, thank you that the reality is that you are near, that you are above, below, and front, behind, and on either side, that they're called by your name, covered in your grace, enveloped by your kindness. And there's permission to be where they are. (laughs) Lord, I just take authority over the lies of the enemy, the accusation, the shame. And would you guard hearts and minds in you? And would you bring them to safe places to re-engage with the lover of their souls? And Lord, for some of us who just are impatient, easily offended or frustrated with people around us, maybe we've even left church. Lord, give us capacity for grace. Would your kindness lead us to repentance so that we can love have empathy and be in healthy relationship with you and with other people, Lord. This life isn't about religion. It's not about looking a certain way or behaving a certain way. It's about being in intimate connection with the lover of our souls and loving those around us. So Lord, help us we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sacred Space Podcast. And if you want to order a copy of Journey of the Soul, I highly suggest that you do. You can follow the link in the episode notes to Amazon.com, or you can go to Amazon on your own, or you can visit journeyofthesoul.org, where you will find tons of resources for small groups, churches, for individuals. It's really an amazing tool, an amazing resource, and I highly recommend you read it and you give it to your friends. If you want to find out more about Bill and Christy and the Ministry of Soul Shepherding, you can visit them at soulshepherding.org, where you will find tons of resources for pastors, leaders, and anybody who wants to live an emotionally, spiritually healthy life, thriving with Jesus. Thanks for being here and listening. There's so many things that you could be doing with your time, but I hope that this is an investment that feeds and nourishes your soul, encourages you, and brings you hope. And if you want to help support the production of this podcast and other things we are putting together at Stockton Ministries, we would be so honored if you partnered with us and you can give a tax deductible donation by clicking the link in the episode notes or going to our new website, StocktonMinistries.com, and you can click the donate button in the top right hand corner. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next time in the sacred space.